You're listening to The Interview. In-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Hosted by Ben Bland. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange. In association with Retail Focus Magazine and Visual Thinking. Inspiring retail performance. Hello and welcome to The Retail Exchange podcast. I'm Ben Bland. When you think about innovation in retail, you may well think of high-end fashion stores or beauty shops. But what about grocery stores? Yes, it is often a more functional type of retail, but we are starting to see retailers trying to make it more of an experience, partly through in-store design and partly through new technology. But what might the grocery store of the future actually look like? With me to share his views is Jason Breazel, who's the Senior Manager for Innovation at the Netherlands-based international food retailer Ahold Del Hayes. When you look ahead to 2018, how do you think grocery retail will look different at the end of the year in terms of the changes it's made for responding to changing customer needs compared to how grocery retail is done now? I feel like up until this point, if we look at the legacy of of grocery retail and online grocery retail, uh, we've always been grocery retailers who also owned an e-commerce arm or had ran an e-commerce service. It was a service that we provided. And and the real shift in thinking, especially at Ajo Del A's, is that we're no longer brick and mortar stores that also deliver to your home and run online e-commerce. We are an omni-channel provider of solutions and for food and for health and for feeding your family, no matter where you are and how you want to get them. So buy online, click and collect, deliver to your house, shop in the store, and give you a great experience, whether it's a self-checkout if you want to just walk out, frictionless checkout solutions, our Scanit offering where you can never interact with the person if you don't want to, or our full service lanes and our ability to have great customer service and great in-store interactions if you do want to have that interaction. But meeting that customer where they are Depending upon what our brands are, we have U.S. brands uh, that that are very diverse in their targeted demographic and the type of customer that they want to attract. And we've got to be able to, as an organization that supports all of those brands, move and flex and have customizable solutions that allow them to be able to meet the customer where they are. So it sounds from what you're saying that you see uh, the direction of travel for grocery retail as as not in people's minds, in customers' minds, being the place that you go to get your milk, your bread, your juice, but more of a lifestyle brand. It is. Owning the shopping list, being able to give them something with the transaction that starts at home, where they have the ability to select food for their families, which for feeding the world, it's there's no more noble goal, right? Uh, we're not just taking products and putting them on shelves for people to pick up. And starting with that kind of high lofty goal allows us to think about things differently. The customer's journey, the user experience of starting at home, providing an in-store solution if you want to be in-store, providing ready-to-eat meal solutions, whatever you want to do to to feed your family, whether it's a mom who's got two hours or a millennial who's looking to just walk in and pick something up, it's that different type of solutions that we have to be able to provide because our customer, our our competitors have been uh, making the customer first and providing those solutions in very different ways for a while. And did you get the sense that um, uh, across food retail uh, and beverage retail, your counterparts, everyone's kind of thinking along the same lines, or are people doing very different things, having very different approaches to transformation? I I think everybody's got a different agenda, the things they want to do. Um, We're all trying to go about it in the same ways, but it just may be that it's a different priority based on what we do. Uh, Obviously, data analytics, personalization, 
the ability to change the in-store experience. It's LEDs, it's shelf edge, it's, it's uh, digital signage in different ways, it's augmented reality. Uh, looking for a new way to bring information to the customer at the point of purchase, right, which is the key, right? Uh, the online is, is a beautiful environment. E-commerce and omni-channel are part of everything that we have to do going forward. But click and collect and home delivery and how we meet the customer where they are and then help them make better decisions to feed their families, to do the things they want to do. Do you think then those retailers that will succeed best are the ones who get away from thinking about grocery as something that is functional and move to providing an experience for their customers in store? I mean, I'm thinking, for example, the way Waitrose in the UK runs cookery classes for customers in store. There are customers who are going to want that. I think the key is not losing sight of the fact that Every customer doesn't want that. If you make that your target and where you're going to go, your sales are going to have to you know, be able to support that. Your costs are going to have to be able to support that kind of labor and, and, the, and the personal touch experience. If that is your brand equity, if that's what you're pushing and you want to drive that, then that's fine. Uh, we're trying to drive a little bit more than that, right? So our customer in-store experiences are going to be about giving them a great experience when they're in the store, but not necessarily making it a destination, except maybe in certain demographics, certain areas. It, it really depends on what the brand wants. And, and how, how do you go about doing that as a, as a grocery retailer? Give us, give us some examples. So when you're trying to build out understanding what each brand, knowing what their customers are, knowing who they are, not just what they buy. I think as grocery retailers for years, we've got you know, mounds and mounds of transaction log data. T-logs are our key. And we've been kind of farming that information out to these third parties for a long time, saying, hey, tell us about our customers. And what they can do is they can take that, and they, they don't know our stores. They don't know who our customers are. They're not in the aisles shaking hands and, 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 and saying hi and, and giving all that. So they don't know who our customers are. The data never told them that. And that's the new shift with uh, the way that many of our competitors are starting to kind of drive personalization. When we start driving personalization into the app and into the promotions into our campaigns, that's one step, driving it into every solution. If I'm building a shopping list and if I, um, if I continually buy gluten-free solutions, you should know as a retailer that I'm a gluten-free shopper. When I'm building my shopping list within your app, you should be offering me coupons and promotions or even automatically defaulting to gluten-free options and knowing who I am. Same one with type 1 diabetics. We should be able to know exactly the things that Facebook and, and that Google know about our customers. They're posting about this. They're talking about this. They have someone in their household, someone in their family that we need to help them with low sugar options and we need to provide them with a better way to feed their and enrich and nourish their families. In terms of the innovation that's likely to dominate in the grocery retail sector in 2018 and, and beyond, it sounds like, from what you're saying, it could well be the personalization of the experience. It really is. It's about changing that in-store experience as well. So uh, new ways of doing technology touch points. Um, we've seen some really interesting things about uh, display on glass and turning that glass not just into a display, I think that's been around for a little while, but incorporating touch. Walk up, touch the glass, and change the way that we do endless aisle, uh, change the way that we do concierge in our stores uh, without having to have labor and dedicated all of these other things that we want to do. Augmented reality for providing more information for our customers at the point of purchase, right? Those are going to be interesting things that shift as the technologies get ready and things we have to prepare for. We have to not just be in love with the technologies now, but always searching for what's next. And, and knowing that mixed reality, augmented reality are coming, if we don't start getting into that now, then we're going to really be behind when the heads-up display becomes a thing 
and become something, you know, because we're really just one Apple, one Android, one Google coming up with something that really fits on the face or manages the contact from the entire industry shifting to this new way of doing it. Voice did the same thing. Being able to provide solutions for voice that, and data that can move at the speed of voice is really a big key in the shift and personalized you know, solutions from uh, Siri, from Google Home, things like that. Do you think it's harder for grocery retailers to innovate and, and embrace these changes compared with, say, clothing or electronics, simply for the fact that for, for most people, grocery shopping is something they have to do. It's a mm. function. It's not in the same way that people go and buy electronics and clothing as a treat, as an experience, as an indulgence. Not only it's a margin story, right? I mean, the, the, the margins are always razor thin. We always talked about RFID and it, it was very hard to track the RFID solutions in grocery because I can't put a three cent RFID tag on an 89 cent can of beans. Uh, it was very hard, the margins are not there. And so we're constantly trying to make sure that we drive solutions down to a product level, but we have to, and we have a significant number of more SKUs. I mean, most of these specialty retailers, fashion retailers, they don't have the number of SKUs that we have. So if I'm building a solution for computer vision, as an example, and I want to be able to know what that looks like and know what this item looks, to be able to have the robotic eye, it's fine when you're talking thousands of SKUs, but when I'm talking 271,000 UPCs in a single store, that's very hard to build a solution for computer vision, as an example. When we see more click and collect and people being able to order their groceries online, delivered to the door, you know, in some cases, pretty much unpacked for them into the fridge, um, where do you think the balance of power lies between online grocery retail and bricks and mortar physical? It, it, it's about connecting the two. Um, I think that's where we have the opportunity with some of our other competitors. They're very strong online. Uh, is that ability to say, we've got a large number of stores in the U.S., we've got a presence, we're a great local presence, we're something that they've trusted for years. And they want the ability to shop online, to start at home, to build their list, and then be able to pick, click and collect, or have home delivery. Or I want to go to the store for these things because I need to understand how my melon is or my strawberries and what things I don't trust them to be picked up. I want to come and I want to feel an experience and we want a similar smooth transaction for the entire process that we do for that, whether they want to choose those options that we have for delivery and for e-commerce, or if we want to choose the in-store experience. Do you think grocery retailers may be missing a trick in not playing up the quite low-tech advantages that they've had and always have and po possibly always will have over online, which is, as you say, that ability to go in and touch the products. Do you want the oranges and the bananas that are slightly less ripe or slightly firmer, you know, and, and those kind of things that actually they already have the edge, but they don't necessarily always talk it up. Right. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out how we're going to do the next omni-channel solution, the next e-commerce solution. Uh, or if we go in the stores, we're talking about experiences. We're talking about music and cooking classes, which are, are great mm. things. But sometimes people just want to be in the store. They enjoy the shopping experience. And that's not just a, a boomer Gen X thing. It's, it's millennials. Uh, in focus groups with millennials, they still love to shop. They do more shopping online. They do not always want to do that. But having a solution where you can provide frictionless, I, maybe they don't want to interact with a person. Maybe they do. And providing those technologies that change the way uh, checkout process. What are, the, what are the two things I always have? I have a significant number of students that we work with in our co-ops, and I ask them when they come in, what do you hate about our stores? You know, and they always say, I can't find anything, and I hate checking out. And so when we're innovating, we should be focused on those two stories. We should help them find things better 
by providing them the solutions that they're looking for, and then we should be able to get them out of the store as seamlessly as possible so that they can get back to their lives. Just picking up on that point, uh, it, it sort of brings it in my next question about the importance of having an experience that is focused and centric around the customer rather than just bringing in technology because it's flashing lights and it's whizzy and it's technology for technology's sake. Do you right. think there's a danger of that? There absolutely is. There's a lot of technology that is specifically for technology's sake because we could do it. Um, I, I think we, and especially in the innovation for many retailers, we get into the thing of saying we, we're going to build this because we can build it. Uh, whereas the shift, at, you know, we've been very focused on user experience, uh, whether it's in our brand strategy and our store strategy and in IT. Uh, so understanding what user experience is, knowing that it's more than just where the buttons are and what colors they look like, and it's more than just fingers on glass, right? So when we think about the apps, the iPads, the in-store kiosk experiences, that's not user experience. It's not just about how it looks and flows. It's voice. It's, um, it's, it's how we're going to give the feel, and it's how many clicks does it take me to get there, right? The user experience, it's UX and then UI when we think about it that way because it is our customer's journey first. One thing I'm asking all of uh, the guests here at the Retail Exchange podcast is to give us one thing that really excites you about the year ahead for retail and one thing that worries you or scares you. Uh, excites me, I'm going to say it's the, uh, it's the improved focus and renewed focus on innovation. Um, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without that, without the leadership. Uh, our CIO, Paul Scorza, has a, a vision for uh, saying that this is going to be a focal point. This is the way we're going to compete. And we're defining innovation as competitive differentiation. And so being able to refocus on that allows us to say we're able to fail fast. You know, we're given the leeway and we're given the trust to say that we're going to do some things that we're going to fail at. And we're going to learn from them and we're going to do it again. And then we're going to abandon things that don't meet our success criteria, but we're going to move forward with the things that industrialize them and roll them out in order to make sure that we get those things out there. The thing that scares me the most is really the, the connection of all of that. Doing these things, these big things like e-commerce, uh, making sure that Omnichannel is done correctly at the same time that we spin up all of this personalization. We don't have the technologies in the legacy supermarket IT infrastructures, these enterprise class solutions, to be able to pull all of this data together at the speed by which our customers are going to expect. And one of the things I keep kind of saying is that it, we, we've gotten over the, wow, that was cool to have that, that solution in your app or in your website or whatever. Now it's, it's the millennials especially, they're not excited by new technology, they're annoyed when it's not there. And with that in mind, what do you think the grocery store of the future will look like? Uh, the grocery store of the future will still be a grocery store. Um, it, it, it'll offer probably a lot less center store, a lot less center store focus. That becomes the click and collect. That becomes the, the ware room, warehouse. I want to pick up my center store that way. And, and it really does become more about uh, ready to eat. It becomes more about being able to provide meal solutions. It becomes uh, the things that we want. If you want to be in the store, you want fresh produce. You want things you can touch and feel, the th reasons you're there. You're not there to touch and feel a Kellogg's box. Uh, and so being able to, Center Store will continue to shrink a little uh, as we try to bring more of that into that click and collect home delivery mentality and really focus on why customers are in our stores. As we finish up, is there anything that your company's doing that you are really proud of that you think, actually, we're leading the way here? Yeah, in Europe, Bold.com for personalization, and they're really, really great at what they do for e-commerce and online. Um, Albert Hein just announced a, a, a tap and go for our convenience solutions where we have the ability to, uh, using active NFC and loyalty, tap 
and walk out. Uh, well, it's at very, the actual shelf. At the shelf level. We're working on solutions in the U.S. that are going to dramatically change the way that we, we do those things. And the expansion of our Peapod brand, and uh, which is our home delivery solution that we've had for a while, which gives us a leg up on e-commerce that many other brick and mortars don't have. Uh, and and that's those are the things that I can talk about. Uh, but you will uh, also hear some really exciting things from us uh, in 2018. Okay, uh, Jason Brazil, thank you very much. We will watch with great interest. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.